and welcome to So What You're Saying Is, I'm Peter Whittle. Now, my guest today first appeared on our program about eight months ago. Then a few weeks after that, he was a guest on BBC's Question Time, and all hell seemed to break loose. Actor, singer and songwriter Lawrence Fox has since then become a hero, a beacon of light to thousands of people, and of course, a figure of hate for some, particularly if you're on Twitter. I think he knows which side we're on. Uh, Lawrence, thank you very, very much for coming again. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um, I want to start by asking you, that was uh, eight months ago. Uh, do you sort of feel that you are still in a maelstrom or have you come out the other end, do you think? <laughs> um, I, I don't think you're out of the maelstrom once they've got you in their sights. Mm. They will not stop until they've you know, destroyed you. If they can't destroy you financially, they'll try and destroy you emotionally and personally. So I'm, I feel very much that I've been in reactive mode up yeah. until quite recently, actually, and now I've started to feel that it's time for a bit of proactive mode yeah. in response to them. Mm. How is the experience, because obviously people watching this will know, but I mean, after this question time, uh, it seemed to be open season on you from many people. And I just wondered how it, the whole experience has changed you, if it has in any way? It's um, made me, initially I was frightened. I found the whole thing very upsetting because I was I'd really enjoying my life. I would yeah. had done a very enjoyable acting job. I, it was out of out of my usual casting, and I was really happy. And then I became very depressed. But um, just the sheer volume of hatred yeah. makes you think, oh, I'm on to something here. Mm -hmm. So um, now I'm actually grittily determined to uh, stand up to them and stand up for the values. Essentially, that we all we're doing is asking for the right to an opinion. Mm -hmm. This is where so much ground has been ceded to the censorious bunch yeah. that we're having a conversation about whether one is allowed, entitled to an opinion. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it's time to take some ground back in a nice and loving way. How would you do that? Do you think when you say go, you know, we go on the offensive more? Mm. I mean, what, what, how, how would you? Well, I think you know, in simple terms, it's it's language. Take the language back. Mm. So um, you know, it, the Black Lives Matter thing, for example, I am deeply against them as a movement so I'm happy to at any available opportunity tweet all lives matter out to the people and it's amazing that a hat with make America great again is offending people and now three words that have no political affiliation whatsoever are offending people as well mm. so I fight back in that way and I just I think what you want to do if you've got even the smallest profile is create room for the people that also feel the same way to say something themselves that's where the battle with them feels like. It's a language battle. It's being allowed to speak freely. You say, though, even if you've got a small profile, but for whatever reason, it, surely your profile must have shot up. I mean, I would have thought everyone knows who you are now. I mean, they did before as an actor, but this is in a different league, actually, isn't it? Yeah, I get quite a lot of free taxi rides. Oh, <laughs> you do? Oh, I do, yes. <laughs> I, get, I get out the taxi at the other end, the man will have said nothing to me at all, and he go, this is on me. Yeah, and thank yeah. you very much for what yeah. you said. So um, that's good. But it's not a profile raise in a way that I was anticipating. No, I'd, no, prefer, no. I'd prefer to be on the, on the list of uh, top casting directors than I would on um, the, you know, who the Guardian are going to slag off this week list. Yes, yeah. Uh, what, was this, what was the effect like on your family of all of this? Was this, I mean, 
you did they they are pretty unscrupulous are they not the media as well in going after people mm. they are my well fortunately my immediate family we were raised in a very um robust you know uh, debate style at, yeah. at home around a table with lots of different views so they were okay there's obviously concerns for your future ability to make an income but um you know my dad bless him he's a total hero of mine is a real, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a strong-willed man, so he would support anything that was positive and strong-willed, which essentially is what I'm saying. I don't think I'm saying anything that's particularly nasty or divisive, actually. But yes, my external family, um, my young uh, cousin Fred was interviewed by The Guardian, and what they do, these people, is they ask any actor that they interview about their opinions about me, which is a very difficult thing for an actor to do, especially if you get on with them. But um, I was reading Fred the other day, and he suddenly, like a lot of actors do nowadays, when you get to that point in the interview, they suddenly seem to become a totally different person and go and talk about their white privilege and their and all of this sort of stuff. And you're going, I wonder if your agent's telling you to do that. Yes, yes. I'm not sure my agent would risk it with me. No. <laughs> Short shrift. In fact, interesting on that point, uh, you went were at RAD, weren't you? You graduated about 20 years ago, is that right, I think? 2000, yeah. 2000. And, uh, but RADA recently said, there was a, a letter sent out to graduates um, using the same kind of language we're now hearing over and over from different institutions about, basically was it a mayor couple, wasn't it? It was basically that we are institutionally racist and mm. we will change, you know, what did you make of, the, of that? Why are they grovelling? Yeah. And also, you know, what about your Adrian Lester's and your O.T. Fag yes. Benleys and your David Farms and these, and, you know, David Harewoods and these amazing actors? Mm. You know, is it not a bit patronising? Mm. Would it not make them feel, oh, maybe I got in because you were trying to do something about institutional racism, whereas actually, no, these are fantastic actors that are really successful. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that the UK is... 13% black Asian yeah. ethnic minority and 23% of television representation is BAME representation. So I think the grovelling apology from RADA is such a tragedy mm. because I think it puts it in the same sort of bracket now as, as Oxbridge. Yes. And, you know, it, isn't it a shame that within a few short years I'm now embarrassed to say I went to RADA? This all seems to have happened extraordinarily quickly mm. I mean I, 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 when I don't know about you, when you look back over the, the year you've had Covid and you've had that and then there's been this cultural assault which started with Black Lives Matter protests but actually seems to I think is now wider, it's sort of institutional have you been surprised by how quickly the way that our institutions seem to have sort of just simply capitulated I mean whether it is RAD or whether it's indeed the Archbishop of Canterbury you know yeah, I mean, the Archbishop of Canterbury, I can't even go there. Um, I'm, I'm very saddened by it. I think it's... Uh, well, I think the, 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 the skirmishers of, the, of this very heavy uh, Marxist, neo-Marxist movement came with Extinction Rebellion, didn't they? They are exactly the same thing as Black Lives Matter are, essentially. They, I mean, you could just swap the word Black Lives Matter for Extinction Rebellion and they stand for the same thing. But it was very interesting how powerful racism is as a weapon. It's such a good transmission device for this horrible virus. So no one wants to be accused of being racist. I've been accused of being racist um, solidly now for six months by 
the wokey bunch mm -hmm. and it's very painful because it's it's like being a lunatic in a lunatic asylum are you allowed to say that anymore and trying to convince people that you're not mad you're very yeah, difficult yeah, to convince yeah. someone that you're not a racist yeah. so i can see why the institutions and everyone is running scared from them but it's um it, it's it, it one has to resist it mm. because what do they want to replace these institutions with mm. what does the principle of rada grovel to anyone who's not white anglo-saxon protestant male who walks into audition does he just go i'm so sorry for everything we've done where would you would you like to teach me how to act you know it's it's an odd it's a very odd thing rather and other institutions still have a duty to teach you how to use your voice properly and all of those things and to, to hyper racially aware uh, make hyperly racially aware and uh, a whole uh, educational establishment is really damaging. Mm. It's going to cause so much damage to that generation of actors, who are, and it's victimising as well. So they're going to they're going to leave. They're going to get their first bad review, of which we all get them, yes. and then they're going to go. You're racists. How was your How was your career at work? I mean, how, have you lost work as a result of you know what you who you are now? I think probably yeah. I've had certainly had some some quiet warnings from people within the industry who have said, uh, you know, you need to be careful what you say. And I'm like, well, what is it that I've said exactly, which is um, difficult? But there's a, con co a cognitive dissonance in people, isn't there? You know, even if you go, this is what I said. Here's your here question time thing. They will choose to believe rather what the media tell them it, I was saying than they would actually go to the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm sure I'll come up against it, but I think. If you look at the great movies of the past, mm. they were there supporting the culture, you know, weren't they? The great westerns and all of this stuff. They were there to support and prop up our culture and, mm. you know, in some ways celebrate it, but it gave room for mockery as well. And the monoculture movies nowadays that I'm not sure who they're appealing to particularly. I mean, 1917 was probably the only film I could get my head around last year out of all of the BAFTA picks. Mm. But they even that even got you into trouble, didn't it? With, uh, yeah, well, they, that was that. That's a perfect example of someone going. I think these environments where we talk, these are this is important open discussion. It's yeah. also where you discover what you think, isn't it? A lot of the time. So yeah, I was made a clumsy comment about Sikhs, but you'd know exactly what I was trying to say yeah, yeah. if you bothered. But yeah. then it's willful misrepresentation of somebody in order to destroy them, isn't it? Which is also fine. Yes, they don't want to understand. Do they? No, I mean, no, no. When you talk about the wokies, uh, we all kind of know what woke is. We all know. This, but who are the woke people that come after you? Are there any underlying common things they have? I mean, what kind of people on the whole are they? They're very, very uh, narrow-minded. Mm -hmm. They seem to be totally intellectually fragile, and they don't seem to have learned anything at school. Certainly, not none of European history from the last um, century. And they are insistent as they work their way because they are gods of their own religion, aren't mm. they? They they're just very insistent that they are never ever wrong. They often come um, initially with patronising compassion and then they turn very aggressive very quickly mm. after me. And um, you know, you, they, even the simplest question in response mm. throws them. Mm. They're very fragile emotionally. And also they're totalitarians it seems to me. Yeah, well it goes hand in hand doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you mentioned Rada there and, and what actors now say. Um, we're hearing a lot now at the moment, we, we should use this, uh, uh, the, the crisis that the country's been going through uh, as a chance to reset the way we do things. You hear this resetting. Um, yeah. Do you think 
that when you look forward to all those things that have been part of our culture, say theatre, movies, TV, do you think that the whole identity politics thing will drench the whole culture even more? I mean, this is the impression I'm getting going forward. What kind of things will be able to be made even? I'm not sure what could be made. I mean, everything I watch is extremely problematic, but I've, I don't watch anything modern particularly. Um, I think it'll get worse before it gets better. Mm. But one hopes that money talks and, you know, people can vote with their ears and their eyes and turn this stuff off. I think there was um, info out this morning saying that the BBC is slipping down very quickly down the list of, ch of um, media suppliers that people are trusting and Channel 4 are, are right out of it and yet all you ever read about in the papers is what the BBC and Channel 4 have to say about things. Yes. So they're in cahoots with yeah. each other in their, in their sort of very vehement final death throes but you know people, people are most lashy outy when they're, when they're at the end of their argument so they're definitely coming to the end of their argument. That's interesting, you, so you think that this is a kind of like a final, this is like a, a final gasp or of extremism? Totally, because we've got so much new media. We never yeah. have been better informed in our lives. Yeah, you yeah. know, you look at your channel, you look at other channels. You can you can go to listen to, for example, very amazingly intelligent black voices that you'll never see on a television, yeah. like Thomas Sowell and Shelby Steele and Aisha Camby and people like this, who are wonderful representatives of the black community. And instead, the TV will throw you Dr. Shola the race beta on everything, but people are, are able to and are finding their information and their their knowledge in other places. Yes. So that once they've opened the door to that information, I suppose it's a little bit like printing the Bible in English. You know, yeah. everyone can have their own interpretation, and it doesn't seem to me that when you put anything to the electorate, that they're buying the the woke progressive stuff nearly as much as the media would have us believe. Well, you know, there have been a couple of surveys out recently and showed that, say, for example, I think people were being asked about statues and they were being asked as well about the last night of the proms. Uh, okay, these are very emblematic things, but I think it was something like 70% of people said they were proud of British history and around the same amount wanted the songs to remain in the last night of the proms. Um, and there were about between 11 and 17 percent who weren't or didn't, and it does sometimes seem like those are the ones who are in charge of the culture. Well, if you've got a, if you, yeah, I'm a dad, so if you've got uh, one of your children wants a lot of attention, they tend to get a lot of attention, don't they? And yeah. this is this is what this is. It's it's infantile as well, screamy, screechy. The problem is people are much much more intelligent than the media give them credit for. Yeah. So it's it doesn't. Your average Brit looks at last night of the problems and takes a holistic view of it, aware of the fact that you know some of it is sort of slightly over nationalistic, but uh, as a holistic view, they say this is. This benefits us as a nation, yes. and it's only the angry people that. But they find a problem in everything, uh, hence why there's no forgiveness in their religion, because they will probably have a problem with forgiveness as well. They, 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 it, it's a it's a circular, very negative circular thing. But the British, I think, the British people are sat there going, "Not on my watch, chum." Have you been surprised at all by the British and the way they've reacted to the whole COVID thing? It's a complex one, isn't it? Mm. The COVID thing. Mm. I, I'm. I have to confess that as normal, I've got a weird view on it, which is like, if this is, I think we made a decision based on the fact that it was a very much more lethal virus than it was, mm. didn't we? Yes. And yeah. then now, you, once everyone's scared, how do you unscare people? And it's it's really tricky. So I think probably the way you unscare people is you you 
pretend it never happened almost in a, in a way yes. you know the the mask if it is three in a thousand for mm. someone who doesn't have any comorbidities then what on earth are we doing yes is what i think uh, you 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 actually tweeted recently i think you were on a plane um and you you know i i have was, i think what i imagine you think about masks but you say why you, you were sitting on a plane saying why are we all going along with this why do you think is it because we're frightened I, I'm not sure it is because we're frightened. I think, it's, um, I think it's probably a prelude to a second lockdown, isn't right. it? It's in, order to, it's in order to have you to maintain a level of fear so that the government can then go, we need to lock down again. Yes. Um, because I think they'd probably be pretty hard pushed to get the support that they needed on another yeah. lockdown, unless it was terribly worse. But the, the thing that's so sad about it is this is a great dry run. I know it's a horrific disease, and I get that. It's a great dry run to practice what would happen should we get a 30% or a MERS-type yes. disease. You know, to go, this is how we deal with it and all of that. But now it seems like we're languishing in it. It sort of seems like that, that it's always that we have Peter Hitchens on, who's been s consistent, yeah. as he always is. Yeah. We've had him on a couple of times talking about this. And he's, from the right from the beginning, said, no, the thing that's unprecedented is this reaction. It's not the actual disease, which... In fact, we've had worse, haven't we, with Hong Kong flu and, and going about South Asian flu. Um, this is, in fact, relatively low on the list. It's just our reaction has been extraordinary. Well, it's, I think David Starkey um, said something like that, that even dying now is a crime. In, yes. in to the to the wokies, yes. you know, it's yeah. like how dare we even die? We're so wonderful, yes. and it's like you know, no, I I lost someone very close to me in the in the lockdown and did the whole funeral with five people thing. Really, and um, so I find it very amusing when people start attacking me. And also, what's so interesting is I'm wearing the mask while saying, why are we going along with this? Yes. But it's not enough for them, you see. Not only do I have to wear the mask, I have to like wearing the mask. Yes. And yes. that's what yes. I find offensive. Yes. Yes. It's that you're denying me my right to not like to wear a mask. Yes. Yes. So your, your, moral, your moral superiority over me is complete. Yes. And I'm like, no, sorry, chum. I don't like the mask. I think it's an overreaction. And also, if we're all sat next to each other on a plane, which is recycling air around, why can't we sit next to each other in a theater? Why can't people sit in churches? I uh, was going to ask you exactly about why can't we sit next to each other in theatres. When it comes to theatres, they are, when they talk about a, being uh, close to oblivion because of COVID, it's not hyperbole really, is it? Well, they were close to oblivion before COVID. I mean, theatres have always really struggled, except the subsidised, national subsidised ones, but theatres are always, I mean, you just have to work in the theatre to see how hard they're trying yeah. to carry on you know and um it's very sad but then again you know what sort of plays would be on right now there would yeah. be some very dissenting drama up on at the moment and i think it's, there's an element to go well it's safe that we should keep people away from that you know they yeah. want it to be uh, just about covid which is the world's most boring news story obviously it's not yeah, if your yeah. if your family has has you've suffered of yeah. which many of us have but um if, you know what, the, what would the culture look like if there was an amazing play being written by someone fabulous that opened and really had this cultural conversation and didn't leave us to have it in private? 
We, we're actually uh, filming in the middle of London, Westminster. You're a Londoner, aren't you? I am. You born and bred? No, I was born in Leeds, and then I lived in London for a bit, and then I'm, when I got married, I lived in the countryside, and I'm desperately trying to live in the countryside at all available opportunities, but my children go to school in London, so... Oh, yeah. okay. Well, here we are, and it's a, a Thursday morning, uh, and it is like the grave. I mean, for me, it, it feels like something very profound and historic is happening actually to London. Do you, do you think that's too much? Or? No, I think you're absolutely right. What's, the, what's, what's London going to look like in two years from now? Mm. You know, it, I have a feeling it might be quite empty still. Mm. What's going to come back? What is, what's, you know, people are terrified and we're all, everything's open already. Mm. People mm. won't go out. My local um, boozer, the landlord made him pay the full whack for the whole of lockdown. Yeah, he didn't give him any money off, did he? Well, and um, so these guys are just fighting for their lives just to just to get back even vaguely to business. And with all the social distancing rules and the sort of you know, it's really hard for them. I feel sorry for anyone, everybody at the moment. And also, what are people living off? Mm. I know what I'm living off: mm. deferring my tax payment. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. essentially what I'm living off. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's pretty tricky. It does appear, I mean, uh, I, mean I, I know I'm sounding very doom lane, but I, I find it very hard not to be, actually. It does appear that we've got this enormous economic thing that's just coming around the corner, which no one really, I, a lot of people, I think, still don't appreciate the extent of it. And we've got this cultural battle going on. I mean, what do you see the way forward, Lawrence, in this, when, we, when we're on both fronts? Well, I mean, it's the best battle to have, isn't it? It's the battle of our time. Mm. And I think once we start reminding ourselves of what we can do as a collective group of people that believe in our country and our values, um, we can fight back, you know. But at the moment, people are still scared. But, you know, once the recession comes, which it will, we're going to need to return to work. We're going to need to return to, you know, enjoying life. Too much. Would you would you ever think of sort of standing for a political office, for example? I mean, could you imagine? Well, yes, I could actually quite easily. I've got such a checkered past. I've have you know, people have asked you to even. There's a couple of people have said, "Would you like to, to, you know, have a think about it?" I think I would. Um, I'm quite emotional. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sure you want. I think you want someone slightly. My brother, one brother up for me, Robin. He'd make a great politician. He's much colder than I am in his in his calculations. I'm an emotional person. I'm not sure. Do you want emotion to run a country? It depends. What I mean, emotion or you don't fly I'm off passionate. the handle. Yeah, but you don't fly off the handle. No, I don't do that. It's no point. But I'm I'm pa I'm very passionate. I'm very I'm a big nationalist. I love this country. So do I. And yeah. I'm hugely proud of it. And. Um, you know, I'm so embarrassed about what some people want to do to it yeah. that, you know, I don't know, maybe you'll be, I'll be compelled. I certainly yeah. feel compelled to continue to speak out and take the argument back to those that wish to tear it all down. It, uh, on that front, you know, if you think of the people who are in charge at the moment, uh, would you say that their defence of the country that you love and I love has been weak? I mean, during the whole statue thing, um, it was Macron, President Macron, uh, actually Macron, mm. gave the best response, I think. He said that for better or ill, for good or bad, these are the deeds of our history, they're not changing. Uh, right. Whereas here it was more mealy-mouthed, wasn't it? 
Well, it was also timing, wasn't it, with, yeah. with the Black Lives Matter. Uh, yeah. It was very soon after the George Floyd murder and um, uh, killing. I was, yeah, I'm very disappointed. I, I, I bought, bought a house um, a while ago and it had a five-acre meadow. Yeah. And the couple I bought it on have lived there since their wedding day, 60-odd years before. And all she said to me, and she begged me, she mm. said, please, will you be the custodian of this land? Because it came with this meadow. Please, 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 will you do that? Promise me, promise me. And I had to swear to her, and she was very emotional, and she cried. And I feel exactly the same about statues. It's not our history to rewrite. Mm. It's not our, with our great superiority. Otherwise, in 50 years, they're going to tear down statues of anyone who was eating meat, I imagine. You know what I mean? So it's our absolute duty to very strongly protect these, these monuments, for good and for ill. And again, it's this very patronising media approach to the individual, which is that they think people are stupid. People can go, yes, he was a slave owner, and yes, he also contributed to Bristol. And should we wish to take the statue down, let's have a democratic process to remove that statue. Or let's put up a plaque next to it explaining all the ills this man did, as well as all of the good, so that people can take their children there and say, this man was a slave owner, but he also did this and he did that. You don't walk around tearing down people's statues and spray painting, but it, it shows emotional fragility. They're all, the unifying factor of this little woke Marxist mob is their intellectual and emotional fragility. They're ignorant in their knowledge of history. They only deal with revisionist history. Mm. And they are so fragile when you try and present them with an alternative argument, which is reasonable. They're the enemies of reason, because they're the enemies of Judeo-Christian values and the enemies of everything that holds this country upright and has done for, through wars, you know, both. It's appalling. I would have been very firm if it had been me. You're quite a, a religious man, aren't you? I, we're becoming more so, yeah. Really? I think so. I, I mean, the, the, where is your hope and your meaning? I, I, I really sympathise with uh, young people today because, you know, they are much poorer than the generation before in a lot of ways. And it's difficult to get a house. And I can see why these sort of totalitarian, utopian ideas can appeal to them, you know, because if you're not going to afford a house, why would you become a socialist? But the, the, the message of love, which is just love one another, I think, I find that pretty hard to argue with. And also, if you go through some of the bits of the Bible about how you deal with people that you disagree with, they're very beautifully, they're about how you deal with you. And it's, it's, it is that message of Jordan Peterson's message of personal responsibility, because that gives you dignity. So I do believe in, the, in our man upstairs, yeah. And I believe that he's um, watching. Do you think, uh, I mean, since you've been through the mill the past eight months, has your faith in humanity uh, changed? I mean, or, you know, do you, do you sort of think, oh, actually, you know, I'm not, I think, you know, now people are, you know, not as good as I maybe once thought they were? I've, I've been through a couple of situations in my life that have shown me that there are some people who aren't very good. But um, I am hugely um, supportive of and hopeful and, uh, you know, in, in humanity as a whole. But humanity can also be led in different directions. And, you know, which direction do you want to lead humanity in this navel-gazing, self-loathing hatred, mm. joyless hatred, or do you want to lead us in a, in, in a message, a much lighter, brighter message? And so we can look back at the past with a balanced view and say, yes, Churchill did some terrible things and there were some horrible deals done with Polish soldiers, and, you know, of course, mm. but also this man stood alone, yeah. pretty much alone, yeah. in defiance of actual fascism. 
And you guys need to be grateful for that because the reason why you get to sit here on your little iPhone tweeting about how much you hate Western democracy is because a lot of people bled on European soil so that you could be grateful and acknowledge their contribution to your freedom. Well, Lawrence, thank you for that. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I think, as you say, uh, it gets darkest before the dawn. That's, I definitely think we're there. Yeah. Well, look, thank you very much for coming back. Thank you. Um, actually, uh, lovely to see Lawrence again. Um, you might remember last week we actually uh, started uh, a new campaign called Save Our Statues. And I've uh, been you know, hugely encouraged by the amount of support for it. Um, so please do subscribe to it. Saveourstatues.org.uk. You can join and show your support, maybe become involved. Um, it's a bit of an ambush here, Lawrence, but I mean, would you, do you think it's a good idea? Would you sign up to it? Absolutely, I would, yeah. yes. Yeah. Not, not for political reasons. No, no. For the reasons of the fact that these monuments are there and they are, it's not our place to remove them. We are their custodians. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, there you go. Our first celebrity endorsement. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you again, Morris. And see you next week.